the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Pastor Keith Crosby of Hillside Church. Evangelism is more than an event. It's a process. And it often, almost always, depends on building a relationship with an individual. And one of the key ways that we can draw or attract people or draw people into a conversation about who we are and what makes us tick is our speech. And that's why I want to talk to you today about gospelized speech. Hello, and welcome to today's edition of Grace to Live with Pastor Keith Crosby, lead pastor of Hillside Church in San Jose, California. We're so thankful that you've joined us for today's program. In a world filled with so much aggression, it is imperative that we cling to God's Word and seek His wisdom in using our speech to draw people to His grace. On today's broadcast, Pastor Crosby will be sharing a message from the book of Ephesians entitled, Gospelized Speech. So if you have your Bibles, please turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Now here's Pastor Keith with today's study. All right. Well, the last time I was here, we talked about, we did a little survey. We sort of skipped a stone across Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 11, understanding and explaining your salvation to anyone. And we talked about three sound bites or three tweets that you can use to explain salvation to people who don't understand it, how you can share the gospel. But what we didn't talk about, what we didn't talk about is how do you get there? I mean, you know, seldom does anybody walk up and say, what must I do to be saved? That happened to Paul, but yeah, it really hasn't happened to me yet. So, uh, you know, and... What, the question is, what can we do to get others to ask us about our faith? What, what can we do to draw others into a conversation? Uh, how can we stand out in this culture in which we live? And, and it goes beyond walking up to somebody at Aki's restaurant or at Pete's Coffee or at Giorgio's and saying, are you saved? Or, or, or easing a track through a cracked window on a parked car. Those things are a little unusual. And some of them might get you arrested even sometimes. And as I said the last time I was here, you know, evangelism is more than an event. It's a process. And it often, almost always, depends on building a relationship with an individual or a group of individuals, letting them see you and you're seeing them and letting them get to know you. And one of the key ways that we can draw or attract people or draw people into a conversation about who we are and what makes us tick is our speech. And that's why I want to talk to you today about gospelized speech. And gospelized speech isn't like caramelized onions, for those of you who are culinary people. And gospelized speech certainly isn't normal in our culture, because our culture is a culture of what, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to say, is weaponized speech. You know, we live in an age where People say terrible things to people they don't even know. They say terrible things about people that they do know. And 
that speech is pretty typical of our culture. Gospelized speech is very untypical. It's very distinctive. And I believe that gospelized speech is really, at the root of it, countercultural speech. It doesn't blend in. It stands out. I mean, think about it today. When we think about weaponized speech, we think about today's political discourse. You know, and, and it's candidates savage one another. People who are on different sides of the political spectrum say terrible things to each other. People are rude to one another. People are sarcastic. People sometimes are mean-spirited. In fact, in April 2015, Humanist Magazine wrote an article advocating this, and it was called The Right to be Rude. Because a lot of times we think we're entitled to vent or to have our say or to make our will known. Recently at the University of Massachusetts at Amherst, they, gave, they had a forum, a discussion. They were, they were going to hold a dialogue about speech, about politically correct speech, about how to talk to one another. And in the opening moments of the symposium, the meeting degenerated into a shouting match as protesters tried to shout down people they didn't agree with. And when that didn't work, they accused them of hate speech. What is hate speech? Any speech we hate to hear. (laughs) And then when that didn't work, they got really creative. They started shouting obscenities at them. That's weaponized speech. Weaponized speech seeks to overcome its enemies. And many who study this say that this is one of the key factors of even violence in our society. At the University of Arizona, there is a study that revealed that 8 in 10 Americans think that the problem with society is uncivil speech. And 82% of the people who watch TV, and that's got to be a lot of people these days, when they see a political commercial come on, they just tune it out because they, they're afraid of what they're going to hear. That's not gospelized speech. And that's what gives us an opportunity to draw people into a conversation about Christ. Because if we speak differently, if we speak in a gospelized manner as opposed to a weaponized manner, people will want to know what in the world makes us tick. Because weaponized speech, it it gouges, it wounds. Gospelized speech heals. I mean, real healing is salvation. Coming to Christ, knowing Christ, becoming a child of God. And when you think about it, that's the cure cure for what ails our society. And we have this gospel, you and I. And all we have to do is gain a hearing. And one way we do that is with gospelized speech. We speak in a way that brings glory to God and good to others. And ultimately, growth to ourselves as we resist the temptation to do unto others what we think they did unto us. And what we want people to say to us is, what makes you speak this way? Why are you the way you are? How is it that you can take this kind of heat and still respond in a good way? And when they do that, you can give them the three tweets from Romans 5, 1 through 11. Salvation is peace with God. I have peace with God. I have provision from God. I have protection from God. But first, you've got to get there. You want, you want to speak in a way that is attractive to people that maybe compels them to ask you who you are and how you got that way. And so today, we're going to look at a primer, at, a, at an introduction, if you will, a, a little short 
lesson on gospelized speech. And where do we find that? We find that in the book of Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. I love Ephesians. My, I love all books of the Bible, so, don't, so take this with a grain of salt, you know. But Ephesians is one of my favorite books of the Bible. It's six chapters long. You can read it in less than an hour, some in 45 minutes. The first three chapters are about what God has done for us, how, how he has saved us, how he has set us apart, how he has blessed us. And the last three chapters are about how we can live for God. It's sort of like principles and practice, teaching and application. And in chapter 4, we come to a discussion on how the Christian ought to live in light of his salvation. And it begins in verse 1 with, I, therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you've been called. Now, think about that, because if you read some Christian blogs sometimes, they're not speaking in a manner worthy of Christ always. We want to speak differently. And in verse 17, it says, Now I say this and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. If we've been changed from the inside out, we should think differently. And as we think differently about the world, as we see our world through the lens of eternity, through the lens of Scripture, we should speak differently. And in verses 22 to 23, it says this, Put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So we're to live, we're to think, we're to speak differently. We're to relate differently to each other and the world around us. And Paul ends this chapter with verse 32, which is a verse we should all memorize. And it's an incredible verse, and it's very countercultural, particularly today. It was then, and it is today. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ has forgiven you. And if that wasn't enough, Paul goes on, or the Holy Spirit speaking through the pen of Paul, and he says in the beginning of chapter 5 verse 1 be imitators of God and gospelized speech the speech that might gain you a hearing for the gospel the speech that might transform your relationships with the people you work with with the people you go to school with with the people that you live near with your own family and friends gospelized speech is described in a very pregnant sentence in Ephesians 4:29 So we're just going to camp on one verse today. Last time we covered a whole lot of terrain. This time we're going to chew our food slowly and savor the just one verse. And in verse chapter 4, verse 29, we read this. And this tells you everything you wanted to know about gospelized speech, but we're afraid to ask. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to, to those who hear. Another translation says something like this, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification, according to the need of the moment, that it may give grace to hear. And what's going on here is that different living, gospel living, leads to gospel talking or a gospelized speech. And gospelized speech leads to living differently, and it requires, among other things, salvation. 
And so what I want to do today is to take this verse and I, and I want to give you four characteristics of gospelized speech that you might try to cultivate in your own life, in your own practice, and everything that you do. Because when you think about it, everything that you and I do is worship. We just don't worship here, do we? And gospelized speech is key to that worship. Here we find speech that focuses on the positive rather than the negative. It's speech that may give us the opportunity to share Christ. It's speech that may provide us with a hearing for the gospel. And the first characteristic we see is this. Your speech, gospelized speech, should not cause a stink. I tried to make that as uh, as, uh, erudite and as uh, eloquent as I could. Your speech should not cause a stink. Where do you see that? You see that in verse 29a. I'm going to break the verse into four pieces. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths. What we have here is a command to do no harm. When you see let in the Old Testament, the New Testament, it often is a command marker. It's a signpost that means this is an order. This is an imperative. This is a command. And we're to let no corrupting, no unwholesome talk come out of our mouths. And the word here is kind of funny. In the original language, the rotten or corrupt or unwholesome speaks to meat that's putrefying, that's unusable, that's useless, that's disgusting, that's hurtful. It stinks. And when that type of speech is used, it causes a stink. And that type of speech is demoralizing speech. In the ancient times, when conquering armies overran an area, they would go to the wells in a village and they'd take rotten meat and throw it in the well. And the stench would make the water undrinkable. And in those days, you know, you just couldn't turn on your water and have San Jose Water Authority send you water. Water was essential to survival and the people would become demoralized. That's what stinking speech does. And I'm reminded that as Christians... We're not to use speech that fouls up the situations. As Christians, filled by the Spirit of God, empowered by the Spirit of God, with minds informed and transformed by the Word of God, we have the capacity and the wisdom at our disposal to make a bad situation better, not worse. And therefore, we're not to let Rotten things come out of us. Nothing unwholesome. Nothing hurtful. We're to put away weaponized speech. Even when people offend us, when they say unkind things, when they do unkind things to us. The culture may expect us to push back, but we're not to. That's why Paul says in verse 31, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. This is a really brief description of weaponized speech. It's bitter, it's mean-spirited, it's wrathful. The word wrath there talks about a lack of control. Anger, clamor, it speaks to loud, banging. Slander speaks to how it's used to hurt. And malice speaks to the attitude that undergirds it. We're, We're to put it away, and that putting away there in the passage pictures kind of like slinging off sweaty, dirty, stinking clothes. You put it away. You don't want to keep that sweat shirt on when it begins to get ripe. You want to put it away. You want to put away that kind of speech. 
And that's why elsewhere we read in the Word of God, in Proverbs chapter 15, verse 1, that a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. The tongue of the wise commends knowledge, but the mouths of fools pour out folly. We don't want to cause a stink. We want to turn away wrath. We don't want to make the situation worse. We want to make it better. Weaponized speech does just the opposite. The oh yeah speech? Well, I have rights to speech. The I'm entitled speech. The label everybody a bigot or a hateful speech. Proverbs 12, 18 says, There is one whose rash words are like the thrusts of a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. We want to bring healing to a situation. I'm reminded that all of us walk into every situation. You may not realize this because they're invisible. But you walk into a situation with two buckets. One on the left hand, one on the right hand. One bucket's got water, the other, water, the other bucket has gasoline. And whichever one you pour on the fire is going to affect the outcome of that situation. Our goal is not to pour gasoline on the fire, but it's to pour water on the fire. And the way that we do that is restrain any kind of corrupting speech. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths. It's sort of the Hippocratic oath of gospelized speech. If there are any medical doctors here or medical professionals, the Hippocratic oath was the vow that doctors took in the ancient times, in ancient Greek times. And one of the first principles they learned was to do no harm. That's sort of a passive thing. This verse is kind of the passive thing. Do no harm when you speak. But now we go from passive to active. We go to our second characteristic. We go from not just avoiding stinking speech, rotten speech, hurtful speech that causes a stink. We go from passive to active. Characteristic number two of gospelized speech is this. Your speech should not tear down. It should build up. Your speech should not tear down. It should build up. Where do you see that? You see that in verse 29b. B is in boy. What does it say? First we have, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but, and that but there functions as an instead or a contrast. In contrast, only such a word as is good for building up. We want to build up, not tear down. There is no right to be rude in God's economy. We want to. The good news, and no pun intended, is that gospelized speech is just the opposite of weaponized speech. One hurts, one heals. And so we see this again back in Proverbs fifteen seven: the lips of the wise spread knowledge; they build up. Not so the heart of the fools. You don't, in God's economy, you don't shout people down at a symposium on speech because you don't want to hear what they have to say. We go back to Proverbs 12, 18. There is one whose rash words are like the thrusts of a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. It builds up. It doesn't tear down. It restores. And this is the kind of speech that people don't expect. When you're mistreated, persecuted, insulted, or somebody just cuts you off in traffic. They expect something different. I was over um, 
by uh, uh, a Keys, the restaurant over uh, downtown. And I was walking uh, towards the restaurant and somebody cut in front of somebody in the car. And you know what he did? He stopped and he goes, I am so sorry. And the guy gets out of the car and goes, I bet you are. And you know, he, you know, and he, and you know what? He didn't push back. This is it. The tongue of the wise brings healing. It cools things off like a bucket of water. It's not corrupting. This is the kind of speech that makes people look at you. Somebody treats you badly and you don't react, but you respond in an edifying, encouraging, building up. You know, I'm so sorry I cut you off in track. By the way, it wasn't me, but you know. I cut you off in traffic. I'm so sorry. I really appreciate the fact you didn't hit me. I I should have been hit. I mean, the way I cut you off. I mean, you know, thanks. You're a great driver. You know, I mean, you know, whatever. Proverbs 25, 12 says this. Like a gold ring or an ornament of gold is a wise reprover to a listening ear. How does that work? Well, you see, edifying speech isn't always happy-go-lucky speech. You know, it's building up speech can be, I hate to use the word critical, can be, constri- you know, people use the word constructive criticism like people use love in the 60s and the 70s, right? It meant anything to anybody. But, you know, it doesn't mean that you can't say difficult things. But let me tell you this. You ever met one of those people? There was a guy I know. His name is Dave Jones. He can tell you the most painful truths about yourself, and make you like it, okay? He, he has a winsome way about him. He headed up the counseling department at the church I served in recently in Rialto, and he could deliver the good news and the bad news in a way that people really liked and appreciated. That's edifying speech because his speech was never, ever weaponized. And, you know, when you do a lot of counseling, sometimes people don't like what you're saying, and they say unkind things to you. And Dave would always respond in an encouraging, edifying way. He was a wise reprover. And you know what? When you, when, you, when you don't engage in stinking speech, when you don't cause a stink, when you build people up, when you encourage people, you eventually gain the right to speak into their lives and to be a wise reprover. And you know what you get? You get a listening ear. You get a listening ear. And with gospelized speech... Is people see the difference in you day in and day out. And I'm not talking about sinless perfection. But they see this, they are more willing to listen to you. I met with a uh, missionary from Sierra Leone yesterday, who I think is going to be speaking at the ABFs next week. And he was the most amazing man, amazing stories. I'm not going to steal any of his thunder. But at one point, somebody had a pistol pointed at him and was about to kill him. And he told the guy that, that, you know, if you kill me, I'm going to have a place to go. I'm going to go to heaven because there are angels all around me and Jesus loves me and he's going to bring me home. But I worry about you. I love you. And I don't want to see that happen to you. That guy eventually came to Christ and is a church planter in Sierra Leone. The warlord guy that was going to kill him. Wise reprover. He didn't say, you kill me and you're going to, turn, you're going to burn, buddy. You know, it's true. But you know what I mean? That's not exactly edifying. And I tell you what, if someone, 
just me, you know, I'm not the bravest dude in the world, but if, somebody, if I'm staring down a barrel, I might want to be a little more, you know, winsome anyway, but yeah. But that's it. It's constructive speech. It's not destructive. You know what it is? It's other-oriented. You're more concerned about them. You're more concerned about God and your neighbor. We love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and we love our neighbor as ourselves. We're other-oriented. We're not self-oriented. We are God and our neighbor-oriented. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.